But point being is I do think that client gifts is sort of a science and really thinking through how this can elevate part of the client experience, maybe including gifts around the time that somebody has to take an action that doesn't maybe enhance the client experience, like when somebody pays. I mean, even if somebody's excited to pull out their wallet and pay you to do something, you know, it's still money out of their account. So also them receiving a a gift in the mail a few days later or a week later, that kind of thing can offset maybe a less positive aspect of the client experience. You're listening to The Brands That Book Show, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs who want practical tips and strategies for building engaging brands, crafting high converting websites, and creating reliable lead generation systems for their businesses. I'm your host, Davey Jones, co-founder of two agencies, a brand and website design agency, Davey and Krista, and the digital advertising agency, Till Agency. And I ask questions so you can find answers. Today, we are chatting about how to elevate your brand, and we're discussing tips that range from client gifts to brand voice and everything in between. We really tried to put together a list of things that you can implement on your own and cover more than just brand visuals. As always, links and resources can be found in the show notes. Check them out at davianchrista.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review over at Apple Podcasts. Now, on to the episode. All right, we are continuing our brand design theme today. And today we're talking about how to elevate your brand. And these are things that you can do without a designer. Yeah. You know, I think having a brand designer helps, but these are things that you could theoretically do on your own. Yeah, and I think this list is kind of interesting because there are a lot of things that I don't think people necessarily think of first when they think about elevating their brand. I think everybody thinks of like images and visuals and fonts and like color palettes and all of those things. But I think our list today is kind of unique. Yeah, I think it's, and it approaches, you know, one of the things that we talked about during our brand guide episode, and we'll be referencing that, I think a few times today mm-hmm. is how, you know, it's not just a visual brand, right? right? Like your brand, there's brand language, you know, there's a whole brand voice, you know, and so we'll speak to that a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, should we just dive in? Yeah. Hopefully we don't disagree as much with each other as we did in our last episode that we just recorded. I don't know if we disagreed that much. We didn't. It was just one thing. <laughs> okay. It was just one thing. I wonder, you know, if you're listening I'd be curious to hear if people appreciate hearing that. I would hope so. You know, I mean, it's not like we're arguing. No. You know, but I would, uh, you know, anyways, <laughs> we'll keep going. We'll stay on track here. So let's start with the brand guide. Yeah. So I think that if you haven't listened to our episode yet about creating a brand guide to help create consistency within your brand, I think that's a good place to start because we talk about exactly what brand guidelines are and what the benefit of a brand guide is. And so long story short, a brand guideline or a brand guide is a a set of rules and consistencies within your brand. So it's probably going to outline the different use cases for your logo or various logos and give examples of color palettes and variation within those color palettes. It's probably going to talk about fonts and maybe even get into brand voice and imagery styles. And having a consistent brand and a brand guide can really help elevate your brand because it's going to make sure that things are consistent regardless of the platform that you're using. Yeah. And it can get really specific, right? You know, so for instance, like you could have a brand guide that specifies exactly what colors 
you use for your call to actions, you right. know, like the buttons on your website or an email or, you know, whatnot. You can talk about things as uh, specific as like what punctuation you use and don't use or how frequently you use it. So, and we talk a little bit more about that in the brand guideline episode. So I'll leave that there for now. But I think at the end of the day, having some sort of brand guide to help you stay consistent, especially if you're growing your business and you're bringing on admin assistants or team members who might not be familiar with exactly the way you do things, it can really cut down on one training time, right. but two on the various mistakes that they might make in representing your brand. Right. And the same is true of working with different designers. So the second thing that you can start doing is publishing content regularly. And I know that's an interesting thing to bring up, or I mean, maybe, maybe not what you would expect to be mentioned in an episode like this, mm -hmm. but I do think it makes a big difference. Whenever we're thinking about working with a business, one of the things that we'll do is we'll go to their blog and we'll just see like, when was the last time they published a post? And there was somebody I was considering working with actually earlier this year. And it was a business that focused on a specific social media channel that we wanted to give more attention to. Right. And I can't remember how the business might've been referred or something like that, but I went to the blog and it was like two years since anything was published. And then we went to Instagram and nothing had been published in like six months. And we're like, are they even a business anymore? Yeah. And so I think that kind of stuff makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. I'd say sort of something related to publishing content regularly as well is going back through your content and doing some sort of content audit. You know, I think this is especially important if you are, let's say in the wedding industry, you know, if you have every wedding you've blogged ever, on your blog and you've been in business for 10 years, chances are your work has evolved over the last 10 years. Right. So going back through that, and this actually can be a good thing for search engine optimization as well, but going back through your blog and deciding, okay, what content needs to be updated, what content can be deleted, mm -hmm. and only including their, your very best work on it, right? The kind of work that represents your business well, either from just showing that you're competent in what you do or it being up-to-date work, you know, related to the kind of work you want to do now, that kind of stuff can make a big difference. Yes, it can. It also makes your site easier to manage, we have a site that is going to go live on show it right now. And they have 300 blog posts on Wix and that's just very expensive to migrate. So we had them cut out some of their old webs content. And so not only does that make their site go faster, it also just makes it more manageable with different hosts. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot more that we could say here. I really do believe that pu publishing content regularly is one of the best ways to demonstrate you're competent, that you're good at what you do. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to blog specifically, although I do think blogs are, are a valuable resource when it comes to business, you know, for search engine optimization reasons and so on. So I would try to publish content across all your channels at least once a week. Right. Next up, use user-generated content, UGC, to start conversations. Yeah. So this is another one that I added. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the reasons I wanted to add this is because I think that people trust other people, right? And so like when we're making purchasing decisions, when we're making booking decisions, oftentimes we're going to hold the opinion of, you know, a friend of ours over, you know, maybe a review we find online, right? And so because people trust other people, making it as easy as possible for people to share that either they're working with you or, share your product is important. Right. And, you know, depending on what kind of business you are, this may be easier than you think, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, even if you're in the wedding industry, like thinking through things like client gifts, you know, and not just what the gift is itself, but how it's packaged, right. you know, like 
people, when they receive, you know, nice packages and there's a nice unboxing experience, right? They want to share about those things. Yeah. Especially if there's like something that is useful to them. There's like a note that is personalized. I also think about when we were wedding photographers and the way that we delivered prints after a wedding day, we wrapped them up in a pretty box and I tied a bow and we had a handwritten note and there was like a linen card. So it was just a beautiful experience for them. And a lot more people shared about those prints and thus tagged us than they would if they just got like a drop shipped box of prints or I don't know, package yeah. of prints. Yeah. And I'm thinking about some of our other client gifts back in the day too, like things that people uh, would want to feature prominently mm -hmm. in their homes that other people would ask about. Right. You know, those are the kinds of things that we wanted to do. And there's other ways to, I mean, user generated content, I think is its own topic in and of itself, but trying to encourage others, like your actual users or clients to share is one of the best things that you can do in marketing your business. All right. This next one is yours. Invest in new brand imagery regularly. Yeah. I think that having fresh up-to-date images of you and your products can go a long way in giving you a fresh presence online. We actually recently had our brand photos updated from Erica and John, who are phenomenal brand photographers, because we realized our brand photos were like five years old. And so our business has changed. We look a little different. We had one kid then, and now we have two kids. So we recently had those updated. And I think that just like in going through, it gives you fresh headshots for social media. It gives you fresh content to share about. And it gives you fresh images for blog and your blog if you're sharing like content type posts. And so I think it just goes a long way. And so this might be something that you set aside in like budget for every year or every other year. Yeah, I would say at least every other year, mm -hmm. you know, just because so much changes from year to year. And it kind of feels like uh, spring cleaning a little bit. It you does. Know, it's like nothing to really changed, but you know, I think it's energizing for us as a business to be able mm -hmm. to go back through and look at the different places, you know, where we're representing our brand visually and take a second look, you know, and give those updates. So, you know, I think it's good for us too. At the time of recording, I've not had a chance to update our website yet because we've had kids out of school. By the time this episode goes live, I though, hope so. you will see. School's going to start again. <laughs> <laughs> Just for some dedicated work time. You all know what we're talking about. Uh -huh. All right. So add client gifts to your client experience. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about this, but I think that gifting can really elevate your client experience, especially if it's done intentionally. I would say gifting is a science. There's a book that we read, The Art of Gifting. Yeah, I think it was The Art of Gifting. And we'll try to dig it up and include a link to it in the show notes. I bet there's other books out there now about that same topic. And the book that we're thinking about, it wasn't that long. You know, it was probably less than 100 pages. Yeah, it was really little. But one of his big points is that you should give intentional, thoughtful gifts, ideally not ones with like your logo on them. I remember when we sold our house or we bought a house, our realtor gave us a really nice knife and a cutting board, but both of them had his logo on them. And so I feel like in, in seeing that we were kind of like, we might not pull this out in front of guests. We don't. We, I mean, we use it. Like we still have that knife. But the interesting thing, right, is that we'd be more likely to pull it out and put it on like a cheese board. And say if, like, and then people ask us about it. We say like, yeah, our realtor is amazing. He sent us this like super nice gift. Yeah. And that's, you know, like I'm thinking back to, we used to do this like printed calendar. It was real nice though. From Artifact Uprising, the magnetic ones that like have a little clipboard. I don't even know if they make them anymore, but you could we'd put their engagement photos on the pages of the calendar. And it's not like a, it wasn't like a cheap calendar. It was a really nice calendar. 
and everybody would put it in their home. And I think we got bookings because of that calendar. Yeah, we get comments at weddings, you know, that people mention it and it didn't have our logo anywhere on it. No. You know, but when somebody comments on something like that, whether it be a nice cheese board knife or whatever, you know, like people are going to say, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so got this for me. You know, you don't necessarily, and that leads to a conversation. So you don't necessarily have to slap your logo on everything. You know, we have about a bajillion mugs and we've done this no. before too. Oh yeah. I was yeah. going to say, we did order a lot of mugs with Davey and Krista on them, but we got rid of them because we're like, nobody wants these. Yeah. And you know, it's like uh, something that we realized is we get a bajillion of them as well. And yeah. so most of the time those just find their way into the recycling simply because we have so many, <laughs> we have so many of them now, you know, yeah. we keep a select view as like backup. But point being is I do think that client gifts is sort of a science and really thinking through how this can elevate part of the client experience, maybe including gifts around the time that somebody has to take an action that doesn't maybe enhance the client experience, mm -hmm. like when somebody pays. I mean, even if somebody's excited to pull out their wallet and pay you to do something, you know, it's still money out of their account. So mm -hmm. also them receiving a, a gift in the mail a few days later or a week later, that kind of thing can offset maybe a less positive aspect of the client experience. Another way that you can elevate your brand is by staying consistent on social media. So if you already have brand headshots and brand images, having those go a long way towards making sure that the images that you're sharing on social media are consistent. I think it's also important to use the same either headshot or brand icon throughout your social media profiles and make sure that the URLs are the same. And then like any graphics or things that you share on social media should be consistent with the brand. And it's great that things like Canva exist now because I think they make it really easy to keep things consistent when you're sharing about new products or new things. I know that we have a free set of customizable Canva graphics, but then Canva also has a lot of great templates within their library. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, coming up with some sort of strategy on social media, like these are the types of things I'm going to share on social media. Again, just go back, to make it easy to stay consistent. Going back to what we said earlier, where like people will check your social media handles you know, and they'll use that as a form of social proof. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully that verifies everything they see on, let's say your website, or they, you know, verifies what they learned about you in a conversation they had with you. Mm -hmm. So paying attention to that, I think goes a long way. Having a designer come up with templates that you can use for your social media, I think is relatively inexpensive. Right. You know, you can do that relatively inexpensively and something you can use day in and day out. Mm -hmm. All right. So that make it a lot easier to show up consistently on social. Another thing that I think it's great to do is to switch to a brand-focused email builder. So if you are regularly sending email communication and not just like one-off emails to a client, but I'm thinking like newslettery type emails or content emails, I think something like Flowdesk can go a long way because it really lets you customize the visuals within the builder and add some fonts and images. And I think it just makes it look better than like a MailChimp kind of email. <laughs> Yeah. And I would say this is true even of just regular Gmail, right? Mm -hmm. There's something disorienting, I think, about, you know, maybe going to someone's website, it has this very luxurious look and feel to it. And then getting an email from somebody and it just feel like not right. You know, like yeah. maybe, you know, obvious mistakes like typos and spellings and things like that. But also maybe you're using like really big font or a color other than black, you right. know, in your email, right? Like as your font color, those kinds of things can feel off. You know, I think like, I can't remember what conference it was. I can't even remember who, maybe it was Abby Grace. She used to give a whole 
an keynote. email etiquette, right? Yeah, on email etiquette. But then also even talk about like styling her email footer, mm-hmm. you know, so that it had the same look and feel as everything else that she does. Right. You know, those things are important. But yeah, I would say, especially if you are doing some sort of newsletter, you know, making sure you put the same care and attention into that as you do your website, let's say. And then lastly here, finding your brand voice. I think this is something that develops over time. And it's okay maybe to not be totally sure about it right out of the gate, but making sure that you're listening for the things that people say about you and the things that you end up saying over and over and over again and trying to really, I don't know, zero in on exactly what your brand sounds like. And that might be a little bit different than what you sound like. Yeah, I think that we kind of like what you just mentioned, it can feel disjointing when maybe you visit a website and they have these beautiful images, this beautiful aesthetic, but then there are typos or grammatical issues or just like the voice of the brand doesn't seem to match everything else. I think one of the examples that we used to use, so (laughs) when back again, back in our wedding photography days, we used to go to McDonald's after every wedding. Uh, and I would get this was fries. A yeah, <laughs> I'd get fries and a McFlurry. That was like kind of my treat for shooting a wedding. And it was one of those things where it's like we shot like luxury level weddings, weddings. you know. Mm-hmm. So it was like part of our brand, but it wasn't something that we like slapped on our website, you know. And it would be one of those things where it's like we see. I think people do that on their about page because it, it does make you relatable. But we were struggling with like on the one hand you know, we want to reach a luxury level clientele, Mm -hmm. but like sharing about me hanging out in sweatpants, you know, most of the day or going to McDonald's after weddings, like that (laughs) doesn't match. Right. Right. However, we'd share about that kind of stuff on like social media and, you know, just in like stories, places where it makes more sense. Mm -hmm. And so then people would give us like gift cards to McDonald's uh, McDonald's for afterwards. And Sour Patch Kids, because those were also Davey's favorite. Yeah. If you want a different kind of example, I think that if you're familiar with Reese Witherspoon's Draper James brand, that voice is like steeped in Southern charm. It's feminine. It's pretty. It probably sounds like a mix of your best friend from a sorority at like a Southern college slash like guru guide for style. Versus like the Harry's brand, which is like more manly, it's warm and friendly, but they're just different audiences. And so I think you can tell with brands like that. Yeah. There's congruence, right? Between how the brand looks and feels and then also how the brand acts. Right. right? Yeah. And, you know, going back to my example, it's not that people who are like, like nice things don't also like McDonald's, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's like, there's a time and place for that in the relationship. Right. So like those clients like already knew us. And maybe that came up during their engagement session or something like that. So that's like something they learn about us along the way that, you know, for a lot of the guys, especially was like endearing. Right. But your example, though, is better than mine. (laughs) I'll I'll give you that. (laughs) Anyways, we hope you find some of these tips helpful. I think, you know, highlights for me in that list. I think the things that can make the biggest difference, client gifts is a big one, Mm -hmm. right? I think that paying attention to your brand voice can also make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And so getting clear on that, you know, and really just like creating an avatar for your business and going through some activity like that, I think can really help you create that congruency between how you're business looks and feels, but then also how your business acts and speaks. And it might give you ideas of four things like client gifts, like maybe in going through the avatar activity, you realize your ideal client shops at a particular place and they're interested in this. And so that gives you a better idea than like a coffee mug with a logo on it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. 
So anything else we need to add to this? I don't think so. All right. Awesome. As always, we love hearing from you, you know, so if you found some of this feedback helpful, feel free to let us know. But especially if you have a question, let us know that too, because your questions make for the best podcast episodes. All right. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands of Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing this episode with others. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DavianKrista.com.